0: We could just um, go home now since the point of the message has just been driven across, I hope. (laughs) You know that last song we sang? I'd have to sing it every day. (laughs) I surrender all. Prayer of repentance. We're going to talk about repentance today, which I know for most of us is going to be um, a little bit of a time of review, but. Trusting the Lord that um, we'll hear something new, maybe. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you sent your Son, and through Him, He's opened the door wide, the door that can't be shut for those that believe, for those that come to you, and. We just rejoice in that this morning. Father, I pray, too, that as we explore this subject that we know so well and practice that, um, Lord, we would, we would find a new joy, a new beauty in, in the practice of repentance. And we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to, to run quickly to you in those times that we need to. In Jesus' name, amen thinking about the messages that we've heard um, looking back over just the titles really <clears throat> and since August we have heard um, three messages at least three messages about sin its sinfulness and its impact and its deadliness on our life and its offense to God and our Lord and you know uh, I listen to those messages I kind of squirm a little bit and I, rub my hands and think, wow, you know, this, I do that. <laughs> I do that. Uh, and so um, I thought it might be good to reach for the avenue that gets us past that, and that's repentance. Um, so that's what we're going to look at. And, you know, the first thing we need to remember, I think, and in, in we looking at that, that Christ, Has fully paid for our sins. He's fully paid for our sins. And, um, you know, it just helps to keep that in the forefront of our minds. Um, It's only the blood of Christ, only the blood of Jesus covers most of our sins. Mm -hmm. Is that right? How many? all our sins. Old, old song. We used to sing this old, old song. You you guys know that. And um, and I still pull it up on YouTube sometimes and listen to it. And um, I never get the key right, Jason. So I just try, try to sing with it. Um, and the second thing we need to learn to do is, um, I thought about asking you to name spiritual disciplines. And we all know what those are. Um, Bible study and worship and prayer. And we don't really think of repentance being this spiritual discipline, but it is. It really is a, a, a discipline that um, a lot of times we just say, well, you know, it's just a casual thing, you know, forgive, he's forgiven my sins. It's like, oh, there, I did that again. Okay, well, it's forgiven, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, repentance is a lot more than that, and I, I want to kind of explore that. A little bit and um, help first of all that we see that it's this theme that comes goes through the Bible there are like three-fourths of the Old Testament verses about repentance are spoken by none other than the prophets of course they're the ones that speak on behalf of God both promises and calling us to repentance Um, uh, this is just an example out of Isaiah, since some of us are looking at that book so much for the last four weeks. Isaiah 30:15 says this, For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. It doesn't stop there, unfortunately. The verse goes on, but you were not willing. And, you know, as a result of that, after time after time of of these prophets calling out to the people and asking and promising them this rest, you know, and quietness and strength, um, Israel and then Judah both were either destroyed. Killed or exiled to another land, except sometimes the poor were just left there to scrape by and keep the gardens and the fields as best they could. But, um, you know, after 400 years of silence, (coughs) guess what showed up on the scene? Another prophet, another prophet showed up on the scene. And he had a message for people. Does anybody know what that message was? Repent for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, And then Jesus, when he began his ministry, um, gosh, what was the first thing he said? He not only said the same, he just really confirmed John's message, John the Baptist's message, you know. (coughs) And guess what? Right before he was um, ascended to heaven, he gave his message to the apostles. And in Luke 24, 45, this is what it says. Then he, being Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are a witness of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay into the city, until you are clothed with power on high. So Old Testament, repent. New Testament, 400 years later, nothing. First word, repent. Jesus, basically first word, repent. Last word to the apostles, preach for people to repent for forgiveness of their sins. Um, that is kind of how it went. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff here, so this message is going to be really short. You guys, <laughs> you guys really know how John came on the scene. He wasn't the light, but he was the forerunner of the light. You know, Matthew says this, Now in these days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah... The prophet, when he said, The voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his coming in the paths straight. Um, so then Jesus comes and he does the same thing. I'll just really glide through this since we all, everybody here knows all this. Um, Good to hear again. <clears throat> I think even Jan and Sean know all this. And Lucy, glad you're with us. Um, But when Jesus came and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what in the world were they supposed to repent of? In other words, to change their mind about something. What were they looking for? They're looking for a king. They were promised a king. You know, the, the Old Testament scriptures pointed to a king, someone that would rule, on the, you know, out of the lineage of, of, of David. And so that's what they were looking for. And so Jesus is saying, look, you're looking for the wrong kind of kingdom. That's, and he spent his life trying to help them understand that and the further into his ministry helped him understand that he was the one that came to make it possible Um, you know if you look through the scriptures um, he spoke about the kingdom of heaven he said that and he spoke about how it would work he said it was like leaven in a in a, in a, a a lump of dough you know, a little bit of leaven would leaven the whole lump. And so the way it worked is a few people would begin to believe. And those few people would take that message to other people. And that's how he said, this is how the kingdom is going to work. Um, and it's just a truth of what Isaiah told us. He's told us. That it would continually increase right he said there would be no end to the increase of his government and that that government would rest upon whose shoulders his shoulders um, he reminded them that um, there would be a way to behave and a way to live he talked to them about the principles of how the kingdom would work. All this is in the Sermon on the Mount. If you go through it and look at it with the, with that kind of mindset, of, this is how he says the people of the kingdom will learn to live and this is how they'll be blessed and in the rest of chapters 6 and 7 in Matthew he talks about how it's going to work. The principles of this is how it works, this is how judgment comes, this is how blessings come. Um, and then he comes to the end of his uh, life. He stands before Pilate and Pilate <clears> says, oh, I hear you're a king, blah, 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 blah. And and Jesus says, yes, but my kingdom's not of this world. And you know, I think sometimes even in today's world, I forget that. You know, you're looking around at our government, governments of our other lands and you know, you. <laughs> You tend to want to project this power of the kingdom on them, and it's it's like I need to remember it's not of this world, but yes, in a sense, it is. Because one of the things that Jesus said, he says, the kingdom of at hand, kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God is near. Then he later on he says it's at hand, and then later on he says the kingdom of God is in your midst or among you and so yes it's invisible because the kingdom right now is this choice and belief that it rules in our hearts does that make sense Mm -hmm. but there is visible evidence of that in how we live before other people how we treat others so and how they see us treat each other which um, as a whole, the church needs to do a whole be- much better job at that. Um, so it's just interesting that even today, you can be easily not see the kingdom of God. Um, so I want to just talk a little bit about... Um, what repentance actually is. I remember uh, Roger gave a message um, when he was coming through Exodus and one of them was the anatomy of sin. I don't know if you guys remember that message but I thought about well we could talk about the anatomy of repentance because uh, it's it's got steps to it um, and at the same time it's a lot of people think sorrow is emotion. Well. Sorrow is not necessarily repentance. Um, It can be a part of repentance, but um, repentance is a decision of of the will, um, and then appropriate action that follows that will. Um, So people think you have to feel something to repent, but actually it's a decision. uh, Most of the time we do feel something, we feel a sorrow or regret. Um, but sorrow and regret, and regret without repentance is not acceptable to God. You know, in his eyes, that's not repentance just because you've felt bad about something. Um, just to say, I'm sorry, and that's as deep as it goes, um, that's like the sacrifices that he, didn't want to see any more from the Israelites. You know, it's like, they're detestable to me. Um, so it's, it's a step, but it's, it's, it's one step in the dance to being, you know, the beautiful thing that God's made it to be. Um, so there are two words in the Bible to describe it. Uh, one's in Greek for the New Testament. One's in Hebrew for the Old Testament. And the, the, the Greek word, metanoah, means what, what I've said already before, to change your mind. In other words, if you change your mind, if you really change your mind, then you change your mind. And there is action and thinking that follows that. It's not like a fickle thing. I think, it, I, I think it today, but then tomorrow. Well, you know, I'm not so sure about that. It's not, that's not changing your mind. Um, and part of, you know, part of changing your mind is a faith step. You change your mind about the kingdom of God because you can't see it, but when God gives you the gift of faith and you can see it, you change your whole mind about everything. You change your mind about your purpose for living uh, and what you're to be about, you know, your overarching reason for living. Um, so that's something that happens inside when when that happens and the, in the, Old Testament, teshuva is the word for repentance, and it means to turn or to turn around. And as I've been thinking about this, uh, that's really about all that they knew how to do, because uh, except for the ones that God saw had faith in who he was, because he just got totally, what's the word I use? It's like, I remember in um, Isaiah this past week, one of the things it says in one of the uh, Suffering Servant songs is, have I, have I no purpose in what I've done? And, and he says, I'm just going to give them a new heart because I can't train them to, to do what they need to do. And so, you know, he, he, gives, he gives a new heart. And with a new heart, then you can do something internally. It doesn't just have to be this behavior. I'm going to turn and I'm going to do better. But in the Old Testament, teshuvah meant to turn. And so when you put the two together, you've got this internal thing that happens within you. Your mind and your, and your heart decide, I'm, we're going to change. I'm going to approach everything differently. And then the, the proof of that is that you actually turn and begin to think in a whole new way. And you begin to behave in a whole new way, um, if, you know. If you remember when the Pharisees came to John the Baptist, um, they they were there to be baptized, and he says, "I'm not baptizing you till I see fruits of, of of repentance." In other words, let me see that you've really changed your mind about something here, that you're really repenting, and so. Um, it's, it's, it's the whole thing, if you think about repentance and that you need to repent when you sin, um, there, are, there are days when I could just repent all day, you know. And so it can just beat you up if you're constantly reminded, I need to repent. That was not right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. And, uh, and it's not meant to keep us in this place of shame. Keep us trapped in this place of, you know, being down on ourselves, and so um, one of the things that, I, as I remembered about this, was in Mark, um, it says, "Repent and believe the good news." And so, there's when repentance comes, you're you know you're saying that you believe these good news that, you know, Christ has has paid the price. Um, What we read earlier in in Peter's sermon, in Acts 3.19, it says this. After he's spoken to these people, it says, Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away. Why? Why would they be wiped away? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There's something about that I think that, um, you know, we, we get snippets of the presence of the Lord here and there, you know, and there are such a sweet times and it's really hard for us to stay in those places, you know, but times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, we all desire that. We all need it. Um, so really repentance is this channel that gets us back to this place of um, peace with God. Um, so, but it has a, it has a process, and that's really what that's really what I wanted to kind of review today. That there are steps. Um, you can Google this and ten steps, nine steps. There's really like let's just keep it to four or five, um, depending on whether it's towards the Lord or towards another person, but. The first step is sorrow or regret, Um, and regret can be that you recognize you've done something wrong, there's not a lot of emotion with it, but you want to make it right. When I think about that, I think about like maybe Zacchaeus, you know, he was a wee little man. man. (laughs) Exactly, thank you, you finished my message. (laughs) But, you know, you get no sense in the scripture that he was sorry, he just encountered Jesus and said, I'm going to give all this back. Where I've defrauded somebody, I'm going to give it back four times. What? And I'm like, he just regretted that he, once he saw Jesus, he regretted how he had lived when he had that encounter. So maybe he was sorrow, but it doesn't read that way when you read the scriptures. Um, so sorrow or regret, Letting go of the sin. We'll talk about that some more in a little bit. Committing not to do it again. Um, How many times have we done that? And confession, believe it or not. So really, the first three are kind of tied together by time, if you you will. Um, Sorrow and regret. And some of this can be like instantaneous. You've said something and immediately you regret you did it. But sometimes you do things and you don't really realize until later, maybe that night when you crawl in bed, maybe next week, maybe when somebody says something, it, it it being the Holy Spirit brings up to mind something that happened. It could be a week ago. It could be 10 years ago, you know. So it's kind of placed in the past even if it's instantaneous it's at least a second after you did what you did or thought what you thought and then there's this whole process of letting go of this of the sin um, that's easier said than done sometimes i mean how many of us still feel hmm. guilty about things we did long long time ago yeah they're already upstairs if you guys want to I don't know. You know, but Psalm 32 says he forgave me of the guilt of my sin. Do you still feel guilty about things that you've done in the past? Ashamed? We all do. How, How can we? This is the thing that I struggle with it with my own personal self. How do we not forgive ourselves when the Lord of the universe says you're forgiven. I think a lot of times we, we don't do repent and believe. <laughs> because the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Well, why can't I forgive myself? That said, My sins are ever before me. Yeah. It's like almost as a reminder, as part of the commitment, I'm not going to do that thing again. You know, it takes such an indelible print on your heart and your mind that it's like, in the grace of God, it's there. But at the same time, we need to let it go. Okay? We need to let it go. And then there's this whole thing. So that's the present. When you realize that, um, that's when the but letting go begins. And then there's the committing not to do it again, which you know, you're committing right now, but when will it be proven out? In the future, in the future. So um, I think to me that is that, that letting go can be like the most challenging time for, us because um, it usually come, it usually begins or starts at the time of confession, um, which is not. I'm sorry, confession really, or um, thinking it. Oh, I'm, I shouldn't have done that. Even with the Lord, uh, you know, I've, I've read some things, and it's like it's very healthy. To speak it out loud, even to God, you know. I mean, He knows our thoughts. He knows the words before they're on their mouth. So, what do I need to say them for? I need to say them for me, and and it's more than I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I and say as best as you can exactly what it is, so you know that you're forgiven from that particular thing. You know, I'm sorry. I'm bad. <laughs> be bad tomorrow probably. <laughs> so, so I you know I, I haven't really watched all of the chosen how many of you watched the chosen um, right. well the second I, the second um, it's the second season maybe it's the last episode I I came down I was working upstairs on this message and I came downstairs and I sat down with Tia and what what was going on at the time was, Mary Magdalene was being brought back by two disciples. I guess she had been, um, she had kind of gone back to her other lifestyle environment and now was coming back. And then she came in before Jesus, couldn't, just couldn't look up, was ashamed and sorry and said she shouldn't be there and, and, and that she just couldn't do this. She just didn't think she could, could do this this living you know with Jesus anymore and following him and he kept saying look up look at me and so she looked up into his eyes and he said I forgive you if you haven't seen that scene you you need to go look at it again because she looked up she saw him he said to her I forgive you and she completely broke in her body and her face, and everything, and you could just see this kind of release and acceptance all at the same time. And I'm like, I'm sitting there having just worked on this, you know, trying to keep the tears back, like now. <laughs> and it's like, that's what it's supposed to be like, that's what it's supposed to be, like. even for these little sins, you know. Um, I think when we realize that what a friend we have in Jesus, another song we sing, that friend, he's with you. And when he hears something that um, you, because he hears what you think, (laughs) you know, um, it's him that we need to be regretting what we did. I don't know about you, but it's like, you do something, god, I, I, I did it again. I'm so upset with myself. I thought I was better than that. Um, god, what, are, what are people going to think about my reputation? And there's never, I've offended the friend who's paid everything to be my friend. And I think when we can get a hold of what is really godly sorrow, which is Godward. I'm sorry, you know, that you, you heard me think that thought, or I'm sorry that I treated that person that way, you know. Um, it's, this, it's this whole thing of, it's how has it affected my friend, the one who's near me all the time, Uh, That kind of sorrow is the kind that leads to salvation, which we're being saved every day, believe it or not. He's continually having to offer up and remind the Almighty that my blood has paid for this. Um, That to me has really struck me uh, this week that, oh yeah, You know, it's like David said, it's against you and you only. Well, it wasn't against him and him only, but he was before the Lord at that time. It was in a time of repentance for him, which, you know, I'm really trying to practice this in the evening when I lay down to go to bed. You know, I think Psalm 92, I said last time we talked, in the morning you praise him for his loving kindness. We're in covenant with God and in the evening for his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. But a part of faithfulness is for me to examine my faithfulness. And it's a time when the Holy Spirit can say, You know, that hurt when you did that or thought that or whatever. And, and, and it's a time to it's a time to to, to, to take that business and, and, and repent of it, you know. All these things that you can go through very quickly, but um, it's a, I think the, the thing that helps the most is if we have this godly sorrow that we realize, oh, it's you. It's, it's your spirit that I ran across. You know, we can transgress, we have transgressions which are across the, the law, and we have omissions which I fell short because I you were you were calling me to something or to do whatever and we just didn't do it so both ways you know the holy spirit is the one that guides us and reminds us and helps us realize there's grace on the other side there's grace on the other side i forgive you and i think today it's just that i want us to begin to see it's not this obligation Repentance is not an obligation, it's really an opportunity and a gateway for us to get back into this place of peace with God. I mean, think about it. Have you ever, like, thought about it from the other side? Let's get on our friend's side. Let's get on God's side. He's slow to anger. And he's long, you know, he's, and he's, he's, he has lots of compassion and so have you thought about who initiated the friendship? Who initiated you even having a relationship together? Who was it? He did. Who's, got the, who's invested the most in it? Who's paid, the, who's paid more to have a friendship with you and me? Who's paid the, who's paid the highest price? You know, are these, who's never wronged you or been unfaithful to you? Who's most aware that there's something wrong with the relationship? And therefore, who most wants to see it remedied, clear, unhindered? That's the Lord. I mean, he's the... He's the loving father of the prodigal son that's watching and waiting all the time, you know. Now, saying all that, it's not just you and me, Lord. We we're together like this. That's the thing that we need to remember in all this. There is a relationship there, but it's not an equal relationship. We know this, but it's easy in repentance to realize, oh, you know, I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. Um, He's always way high lifted up, way majestic and pure. So it's not this kind of relationship. It's this kind of relationship. We need to remember that and not be presumptuous about what's been done for him to maintain it. It's easy to be presumptuous and... You know, after the fifth time you've been down that mental track that you should know you're trying to get rid of, you know, it's, oh, well, you know, I think somehow or another, he's patient, he's patient, he's patient. He knows we're weak. He knows that commitment. He already knows it's going to happen again. <laughs> it's Just like telling your kid, you know, don't stick your finger in your nose. It's going to happen again, you know. So, um, but we don't need to presume that that's the way he wants it to be. It's all that patience is to train us to be more and more like him, think more and more like him, uh, behave more and more like he wants us to behave. So here in this unequal relationship where we're here and he dwells in unapproachable light, He stoops to our, what? Weakness. He stoops way, way, way down to have relationship with us. And He's a wonderful God. And so when the Spirit prompts, and when you know you've done things wrong, either one, repent. Repent in order that times of refreshing in his presence will come. Let's pray. Almost makes me, Lord, excited to repent. But, Lord, even better is when we can walk in peace with you every day, when we can walk in this unhindered place of uh, knowing, not only is it, is it well with my soul in eternity and destiny, but it's well today that we be so sensitive, Father, as you are when there's, there's a wrinkle in the relationship. And so, Father, I ask that you would continue to, Lord, you continue to be patient with us, but you would continue to instruct us and draw us into these places to be ready to run to you in sweet surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.